Hello, I'm Sean Woolley from Cloud9 Spain. With me today, I have my esteemed guest, Alfredo Lloyd Dawson. Hey, there you go. Doing his typical product placement, even though we're not here to place any product, but there you go. And yeah, we, we've had a few false stars to this one because Alfredo, who is normally on the other side of the fence, which is where we, we like to keep him, has decided to jump in because he wanted to discuss something important with me today. Yeah, I have questions. Oh. And it's related to property investments. Okay. What would make a good property investment is the question that I'm trying to answer. Mm -hmm. For somebody that's maybe looking to, not so much for capital investment, as in that they're gonna, it's going to gain value over time and they can sell it for a premium, but more for rental. Okay. For like a sort of for a revenue source, maybe something that they could do as a holiday lets and stay in it themselves. Yeah. Occasionally. Is it as obvious as it would, as, as you would imagine, which is that it's places where people go for holidays is where you'd want to have that property or is it something else? My view on this is that there's always an element, of course, you want to get maximum yield as a percentage of the, of the property price. But it also does come down to what I would call worst case scenario, doomsday scenario, where if you need to sell that property, you can. So although I appreciate that you're not specifically asking me about the, the capital uh, growth, that always comes into it anyway, because what you don't want to end up with is something that's worth less than you paid. And all of this comes down to one very basic thing, which is location, um, because you want to buy something for the best possible price in an area that's going to be popular long term. Uh, and the way that I try and do my property investments is I try and get whatever I can in the best area, whatever I can afford and my, my budget allows in the best area. And I try and piggyback onto to different things. So I have an apartment, for instance, in a development called Senorio de Marbella. And I bought that with the intention of actually letting it out to holidaymakers because I wanted to piggyback the effect of the Puente Romano Hotel because it's literally five minute, 10 minute walk to the hotel. It actually has more amenities on site than, than the, the hotel, which is a bit crazy. Um, but the hotel has become a destination. They're charging 900 euros, 1,000 euros and more per night. And so I wanted to piggyback that charge I don't know, 200 euros a night and have it rented out all year so i bought it at a, at a good price i thought it was a fair price and but i had to spend a bit of money on doing it up to bring it up to sort of boutique hotel standard and then i thought great let's rent it out and then i actually decided against that and i ended up renting it long term so what i like about that particular investment is it gives me flexibility i can sell it at a profit if i want i can rent it to holiday makers because it has a tourist license if i want to do that i can do that but I can also rent it long-term if I don't want the hassle of the short-term letting market and still make a decent a decent return. So that, for me, is a really good investment property, good location. It ain't going to go down in price anytime soon, and it gives me options on the, on the rental market. So would it be fair to say that you're looking for where it is in Spain in areas where people would normally go on holiday? Yeah. Because that's the idea of the holiday let. And that is easily accessible by an airport that has a lot of destinations. That's a busy, thriving area already. Would that yeah. be a thing? Two to three, how many bedrooms or sort of, does it matter? It doesn't really matter so much because even if you have a one bed, you can still maybe sleep four. Um, and what it often comes down to, you've got to imagine when you're buying this place or thinking about buying this place, you've got to imagine writing the advert for it and what people are going to go, ooh, ooh, when they read your advert. And what a lot of these um, online rental companies do is that they will give, they will advertise the price as a per person per night price. So the more people you can theoretically 
fit into your apartment. So if it's a one bed, but you can sleep four, then obviously the you know the the price per night is going to be pretty competitive anyway because it's only a one bed. But the price per night per person will be very low, and that will actually look as a headline. It will look like a really good headline figure. So you've got to think about those things. It also, you might not want four people in your place, so you might you might just dress it as a as a one bed to sleep two people, and then you're more likely to get no kids and all that. So it depends on what market you're appealing to. But I think the the main issue here in Spain is that pretty much anywhere will rent in July and August. Okay, and certainly along the coast here in Marbella and and Estepona, Benavís, Mijas Costa, all those areas, there's a real lack of stock. Even in you know in July and August, places can rent out maybe two or three times. The key thing is what you do with that place the rest of the year. Can you rent it in October, November, and particularly November, December, January, February, which are the four quiet months? Because obviously, the less time your property is vacant, the more money you're going to make. So you want to utilize that space as often throughout the year as possible. So it's all about getting the right price per night, but it's also about maximizing the occupancy level. So for instance, I had properties in Bath in the UK, which is a like an old Roman town, very, very beautiful, very popular with tourists, Americans for long weekends. And I was doing 250 nights a year, which is quite a good, a good batch of the year, but the, the and it made, it made a lot of money. Uh, headline money, gross income. But when it came to net income, you'd have to pay the agent their fee. But the killer in there was because it was used as a as a weekend retreat, there were so many changeovers. So you get a great per per uh, night price, but every two or three nights, you were paying a cleaner to go in, paying a laundry fee, paying a changeover fee. So it, it, it cut into the profit. So if you've got somewhere, uh, and this is where Spain comes into play, because if you've got somewhere you can rent for one or two weeks at a time, chances are you've only got someone going in maybe once a fortnight to clean and that's that's pretty much it so you've got to think of all these things it's a bit of a it's a bit of an equation as as to as to what is going to work best but the key thing to remember is how how you fill if you can how you fill those quiet times what would be the criteria to try and fill it out the rest of the year would it be near golf or something like that or or is that a different not necessarily because a lot of people think ah in the winter you need to be on a golf course the golfers don't want to be on a golf course. They want, they want to play golf, but they don't want to stay on a golf course. They want to be near the bars and the restaurants and have a bit of nightlife. So that's a bit of a misnomer. Is that, is that a word? So my advice to people is if it's holiday rentals and purely holiday rentals, just try and get somewhere that's first, in the first instance, walkable to as many things as possible. Mainly bars, restaurants. Beach is a secondary thing um, because not many people will want to go to the beach for six months of the year. So bars and restaurants are really important. Um, ease of access, you know, taxi ranks, bus stops, things like that are also important. Everything will rent, even in the hillsides, things will rent. But you'll get more mass market rental and more occupancy the closer you are to amenities, without a doubt. The other thing to bear in mind is if you've got, I mean, my sister, for instance, she rented a place in San Pedro when she came over uh, last winter. And the only reason she rented it was because it had a heated pool. And she got there. On day one, and the landlord hadn't turned the heater on in the pool. So she had to wait two days for the pool to warm up, and she was only there for five days. So she was really annoyed about that. But what I would say to owners is if you've got a heated pool or a pool that can be heated, heat it. Heat it. And the chances are you're going to get so many people wanting to stay in the winter and enjoy your lovely heated pool. Yes, it's going to cost you a little bit more money. Of course it is. It's going to maybe cost you 200, 300 euros a month. 
but you'll get that back and more in the rental that you'll uh, that you'll get. So it's ways of standing out from the crowd, things like that, and also the way your property is photographed. You know, we see a lot of of photos that aren't great of of what are quite nice properties, but if you can get a professional photographer, it doesn't cost a lot of money. Just take twenty or thirty shots that you're happy with and that you can put on websites, which is the the property shop window. And people will fall in love with those photos and, and want to book your property. How important are things like terraces of views, for example? Not as important as you may think. So terraces, yes, you, people want outside space, particularly if they're coming in the in the warmer times of the year. So that is important. Views, again, it it, it depends. I think if it were me, I would rather have somewhere that's local to amenities than have the views. Views might win you repeat business. So if somebody likes views, they'll probably book yours again because they like the view. But I think for first timers, I think you're going to get more people um, booking if you can tick all the boxes for location. And what, how important or relevant are the amenities within the resort itself? Becoming more important. So as I say, if you've got pool, heated pool, maybe a tennis court, gym on site, all those things, again, they, they add to the tick list. It's like when you talk about the amenities within the apartment, things like air conditioning, mega important. I think now you, you have to have air conditioning anyway to get a tourism license. Satellite TV, you know, so people can sit and watch a movie or watch their Sky Sports or whatever it is. Internet, broadband, you know, that is a key, key thing. It's the first thing that people look for nowadays. So air conditioning, internet, TV, all those sort of home comforts, you know, those, those are, you know, you've got to have them. And yes, it costs money to have them, but you've just got to have them. And what about remote working and that element to property? If you believe everything everybody's saying, there is, there are more and more people that are, I think they call them workations or something like that, where, where they come from abroad to spend a few weeks with their family and they plan to work during that period where the family get to enjoy the, the, the fun and games of being in a holiday destination like the Costa del Sol. Presumably that means that you have more chance of renting that out outside of maybe peak season if there is somewhere quiet with a good internet connection to work. Certainly in my case, that's what I look for when I try to do those things. Yeah, ab ab absolutely. And there's different ways you can do that. So even if you can't offer a, a dedicated office space in the apartments, very often people are quite happy to work from dining room table, the kitchen table, the terrace table, or maybe throw in a, a flexible membership to a co-working space as part of the rental, you know, that you can walk to. So there are things if you if you imagine and you start thinking about pe how people are going to use your space and you're thinking about those types of people, maybe, yeah, throw something in or, you know, like a gym membership or something like that, that, that again, will just tick that, tick that box. And what a lot of people do, a lot of the most successful rental properties, they're rented out by the week during the, the holiday season, traditional holiday season. So maybe that sort of April, Easter time till September, October. And then what they look for, what the landlords look for is a long-term tenant over the winter season. So maybe they'll rent it a month at a time rather than a week at a time um, because they know that, okay, they might be losing out on the per night rate, but at least the property is occupied and there's people, good people in it. That would work quite nicely with the whole idea of digital nomads, wouldn't it? It would. And also the Scandi market, the Scandinavians, because their, their summers are so lovely, um, they'll, they'll come here in the winter and they want somewhere to lay their hat for three months. Um, but they don't want to get tied down into a long-term rental contract. It's like that hybrid. They don't want 
a week at a time, but they want longer than a month. And they don't want longer than six, you know, they don't want as long as six months. So, so the considerations, if someone is looking to buy to, to rent to, as an investment, but also to, to use themselves, summing it up, the things they got to take into account is that they, that they'll need a license to rent out short term and not everywhere that's possible. So you need to find out, don't you? We got, there's, there's two things. Yeah. So if you have a license that's already been acquired, then that's fine. Um, but there are now rules within each community. So if you're talking about a community of owners like an apartment complex, the owners of, um, on that community can now veto. They can they can stop new um, short-term lettings. I think it's a 60-40 majority that's needed, so not a huge number. And I do know of um, developments where they've they've stopped short-term letting via the community, and it's it's caused a problem. So you just have to be careful. What I would do is I would ask for the minutes of the last community meeting because it's been brought up at a lot of community meetings and it's normally been discussed at some point in the in the meetings over the last couple of years. So ask to see it. If, you, if there's no mention of it, ask for contact to the administrator of the community to, to ask if it's been debated. If so, what the what the result was in terms of a vote so that it gives you the confidence to be able to, to go and do that. On a, on a more practical basis then, is that something that you could ask your agent to do or would that be a case of a lawyer that would look into that before you do the purchase? Either, either. Very often the agent will ask and maybe not get very far because uh, administrators normally are inundated with requests. If a lawyer does it, it tends to have a little bit more more weight. So, they, they would, so I mean, there are areas in Spain, as far as I know, that are saturated, they've reached a cap of licenses that they're going to issue and they're saying no more licenses and so on. So that you'd have to know that in the area that you're in, if it doesn't already have a license, that you can get a license and what that involves and what the requirements are for that license, because not everything is licensable. I also understand that within Europe and certainly in France before Spain, as I understand it, there are, there are a lot of criteria coming into effect from the European, uh, from Europe related to the energy efficiency and they're moving towards not being able to rent out properties that don't aren't above a certain level with energy efficiency. You can't do sort of things to bring it up and so on and so forth. But I think those are the kind of things you need to know about prior to is, is you know, it, if it has it got a license, if it hasn't, can it get a license? How much does it cost? Do I have to do some work to get, to bring it up to scratch? And then that leads on to the second part of my question there that, I presume to make something rent ready, there's not much unless it's brand new. And even so, that will be ready to go for rental. You probably have to spend some money, won't you? Sometimes you can buy a ready-made uh, apartment that's already been rented out. So you'll just take, effectively, you're taking over a business. And they work very well because normally they're furnished to a certain standard. If, if it's going to go into like a rental pool, like a hotel rental pool, then you'll need to furnish it accordingly and according to the, the hotel operator's instructions. If it's just to go on Airbnb as a standalone uh, rental, you can furnish it however you like. But bear in mind that the nicer something is furnished helps with the pictures and it also helps with referrals and um, repeat business. Because if they go and they say, wow, it's got the best beds I've ever slept in and blah, blah, blah. You know, you've got to be looking at what are your travelers? How are they going to review you? Because nobody likes a bad review, you know? So you've got to make sure that things stand out. I... Whenever I have a property that I rent out, I always try and make sure that I include a few goodies. So I'll put a Dyson hairdryer in there because people will talk about it because not many people have a Dyson hairdryer. And the fact you, you go onto to the Google review or the TripAdvisor or whatever, you say, wow, well, they had a Google, they had a, a, a Dyson hairdryer and they had, they had the Sky Sports package and they had an amazing internet. The whole family were, were hooked up. And all those things matter. 
but they obviously come at a cost. But you've got to think, okay, if I do that, am I likely to get future business? And normally the answer is yes, because no other, not many other people bother. So you've got to try and get a competitive advantage. But in terms of bringing it up to a to a level that's 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 good enough, it depends. It depends on what sort of market you're going for and how you're going to price the property. Because at, at each certain standard of, of, of price, people will accept, you know, will expect a, a certain level of of comfort and amenity. Your point about the the licensing, yeah, I mean, a lawyer is the one that will guide you with regards to what you need. And certainly on the Costa del Sol, for instance, it's a very straightforward system. They are talking about clamping down a little bit. I mean, places like Barcelona, everyone's heard about this. You know, they've they've really clamped down on on the amount of short-term holiday letting licenses that they give. It's going to happen in Malaga, I think, soon. Even in London, you know, they just don't want these markets to become overheated with investors so that the locals can't buy. And also, it's a problem for hotels, you know, because it 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 stops hotels uh, filling their filling their rooms. London is the same. You know, London, I think you're allowed 90 days if the community of owners allow it if your lease allows it because a lot of stuff in london is leasehold so 90 days and then you kind of well that's it so not many people would buy in london for instance as a buy-to-let investment on a short-term basis because you you can't do many you can't do any more than 90 days so we're lucky in a way costa del sol at the moment we're we're free to rent um, as long as you have the license which is relatively easy to get you need certain things but they're not onerous the main thing is air conditioning in each habitable room so that's sleeping areas and living areas and if you haven't got it, you can put it in. So again, one of the things, if you're buying a property and it's a bit run down, you're going to have to to cost that in to your to your reforms, if you like, to make it to scrap. Most likely, if it's not you're, if you're not living in the country, if you're a foreign buyer and you're buying for these purposes, you'd be paying probably be paying a property management company. Is that right? Where they would take care of the cleaning and and the bookings and so on and so forth. So there would be a fee that you'd be paying for that. Um, depending on whether they're doing arranging the advertising of their the the property or whether you're doing it directly, there's always a fee to pay to whether it be Airbnb or Booking.com or wherever, right? Yeah. Are there any other fees that that uh, they may not have thought about on an ongoing basis, apart from the cost of the property, you know, the community fees, that sort of thing? That they... yeah, and and you've got to be careful with community fees because community fees is one of the big costs that can really eat into your margin. Um, so we talked about the changeover fees eating into the month. Because you've got to pay that 365 days a year, right? Even if there's nobody in it, right? Exactly. So the community fees can be a big one. So if you've got, if you're on a very glamorous resort with 24-hour security and your community fees are 500 euros a month um, and you're picking up 150 euros a night, ooh, you know, that's, that you've got to, you've got to go three or four nights before you've covered your, your community fee costs. So, you know, again, that comes into the into the factoring. You've got to bear that in mind as well. You've got to make sure that that there's margin in it that you're you're going to make a profit, um, because that can quickly eat eat up. I mean, just to give you a, a kind of rule of thumb, you know, a lot of people will say a lot of rental agents here are quite conservative. I think they're overly conservative on what they what they predict in terms of occupancy levels. So a lot of them will say, for the first year, we'll be lucky to get you ten weeks. That's not going to interest an investor because ten weeks you probably not even breaking even when it gets to 20 weeks a year is when it starts getting interesting i think because then you particularly if you're if you're mortgage free you know it's it's starting to return a decent amount and if you've got your your pricing levels right and you're not paying too much in costs you can make some you can make some decent money and then if you're getting into the 30 weeks a year uh, and you're only going to get into that 30 weeks a year if you've got things that are going to interest people out of season you know you can't stick 
three lots of people in the same day in summer. You, you've got your summer season, uh, but then you've got to think, how am I going to get people in there in November, in February? You know, so you've got to be imaginative and you've got to choose your your location carefully and make sure that your costs aren't going to cripple your... your and who helps them choose that location? The agent. The was Thank you. The, yeah, I mean, that's what that's what the agent is for or should be for in, in that they should be advising you. And look, no property is perfect. So there will be, you know, there'll be things about each property that, that you're going to have to compromise on. But I mean, I don't know, I've seen today, you know, we're in November now and the traffic is busy. There's people here, there's people holidaying here, there's people living here. Um, so, you know, there's, there's people looking for places, but you've just got to be, got to make sure that you're number one in terms of people's mind. As a final point, a lot of agencies here in the Costa Sola are being commenting over the last couple of years how the Costa Sola is becoming less seasonal, hmm. more of a year-round sort of destination, particularly Marbella. Presumably, that works in the favor of people looking to buy as an investment because if the resorts are a bit bustling for more, more of the year, then the rentability is, is uh, also extended. Is that, is that fair to say? Absolutely. And I think it's, it's um, true of the long-term rental market as well because there's people here who are wanting to be here but not maybe quite ready to buy, whether that's because they're waiting for something to be built or because they're... they're um, you know, just not able to, to commit to a purchase. So there's a good long-term rental market and there's, for sure there's a good short, short-term rental market as well. You've just got to make sure that your offering is, is top of the tree. And, you know, it's a competitive market. It's like anything, isn't it? If you're selling a second-hand car, it's the same, same thing. You've got to make your product and your offering stand out from your competitors. And that comes down to sometimes the little detail. And it all costs, but I think if you do it right and you do it properly, then you can make some serious money. But you've, you've got to be... You know, I've, I've seen people do it and then kind of lose interest and not, not replace damaged furniture and stuff like that. You can't get away with that. You know, you're in a competitive market. Would a hotel do that? No. And if they did, they get a bad review. So why should you escape that? So you've got to be, you know, you've got to come at it from a commercial angle, uh, you know, and which is always difficult when you're trying to use it yourself and grab the odd week here and there and it becomes a personal thing. But if it's purely commercial and purely done for, for money, then if you follow the simple steps, you should be able to make money. Well, Sean, thank you very much for inviting me to your podcast to ask you a question about something I need to know. Yeah, there you go. How does that work out? And until next time, not sponsored by Marbella Club Hills. In the outro as well. It's taking over. It's taking over. Thanks, Sean. Cheers. Cut.